All right, welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. It's Joe Howie and Peter DiBiase here for Providence POV, Volume 4, Episode 13, 23. It's Monday, January 1st, 2024. We're coming at you with a Seton Hall preview. Peter, how was your New Year's? How you doing? It was good. My New Year's was good. Um, we talked about it off air, but we, you and I both had a fun, different type of New Year's for each of us, but we both had a fun <laughs> one. Uh, but we got to see this afternoon uh, a little good news on the Friars front uh, where, they're, where they're ranked and all that stuff. But a week without Friars basketball, I'm kind of ready. Obviously, we're going to be previewing Seton Hall, but I'm ready, to, I'm ready to talk about it. But I'm also ready for Wednesday and Saturday to, to actually get back and watch some Friars basketball. Yeah, I'm getting antsy now. Um, it was nice while it lasted, you know, big emotional victory going into the Christmas and holiday break. But after about, you know, day six or seven of no Big East basketball, uh, nevertheless, no Friar basketball, definitely itching to see uh, Kim English's squad get back on the court there. So happy that they're back. Um, hopefully the – I think it's going to net out at like 11 or 12 days – uh, the long break uh, did them well. Uh, they're rested. Anybody that was dinged up is, you know, back, ready to go uh, because we got a scrappy Seton Hall team coming to town. Um, an interesting Seton Hall team, Peter, like you and I were saying off air, uh, they have some really good wins, you know, at Missouri. I think it was at Missouri and, you know, pounding UConn at home by 15. Um, but they also have, you know, a healthy stable of bad losses. They lost by 20 to a Xavier team. That does not look like it's going to make the NCAA tournament. They lost to a then ranked uh, USC team. That's now gone six and seven down the stretch and an Iowa team that, you know, seems about par for where Seton hall is eight and five. So it really uh, a tale of, of two seasons for Seton hall. They, they've put together a couple of nice wins, but also have those questionable losses. Um, and they're led in the backcourt. Kadari Richmond, Dre Davis, Alamir Dawes are the three names for, for Seton Hall. Yeah, and it's also, I feel like Seton Hall is like, what Seton Hall are we going to get? And look, we all know. Like, we all we all remember last year, and you and I said off air, what happened the last game of yeah. the Big East regular season last year. They came to the AMP, um, and they put on they put on a, a dominating performance. They, they ran the Friars out of, out of the gym. Obviously, this is a whole different different season for both teams uh, and all that kind of stuff, different coach for the Friars and all that stuff. But seeing all it's like you, Joe, you prefaced it there. What team are we kind of getting? Like, are we getting the team that beat UConn and that beat Missouri? Or are we getting the team that lost to 20 at Xavier or lost to a USC team? That's not great. Or an, an average Iowa team. Obviously we're not going to fault them for losing at Baylor. Baylor's a really, really good team. Rutgers. Yeah. Is good well, all that kind of stuff. But, like, what team are we getting? Are we getting the team that beat UConn by 15 and that held them to only 60 points? Or are we getting the team that gave up 74 points to Xavier and only scored 54? Like, it's one of those type of teams where – and obviously at, at Xavier at home against UConn is obviously two different types of games, and it kind of shows – and I know it's a small sample size with only two games in Big East play and only obviously two games for the Friars in Big East play. But we all know – you and I have talked about this, and people know – Home court advantage in the Big East is essential. So Huge. obviously there's a little bit more pressure on the Friars to go win this game because obviously we do have to eventually go to the Prudential Center and take on Seton Hall. And look, UConn couldn't do that. So that's obviously going to be a tough game. But look, see, I I, I kind of sum this game up to be like an old school kind of grinded out performance. Like Seton Hall is not a great offensive team. 
They're 148th in points per game. Like we're 120th in points per game. <laughs> like this is not this is not a like you might see offense like in this game, but I don't know if this is going to be a pretty offensive performance. I feel like, and this also might favor the Friars. Seeing Hall's 103rd and give in a, a lot, opponent points per game, so they're 103rd while the Friars are 21st. So like yeah. Seeing Hall's not like, a very average, below average offensive team, not a great defensive team. Friars have been a very up and down offensive team, as we know, but a really good defensive team. So I think the Friars kind of have that advantage where they can kind of muck it up a little and make this like a low 60s type of game. Like it feels like that type of game for me. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here. I think um, a lot of times what happens too after these long breaks, because keep in mind, Seton Hall hasn't played since December 23rd as well. So Providence and Seton Hall are coming into this game on the same amount of rest. Um what typically happens after these long lulls is you kind of see uh, teams shaking the dust off a little bit. You know, there's a little rusty, had some time off, you went home. Um, so I, I think, you know, everything you said, Peter, is exactly right. Like it's going to be a grinded out physical defensive game. And really what it's going to come down to is is if, uh, if the Friars can clamp Seton Hall defensively and take control of the front court. You know, I think this is Josh Oduro's game to dominate. Um and then on the defensive side of the basketball, right, it, you got to put uh, Devin Carter and Kadari Richmond. And as I'm looking at this in real time, Kadari Richmond is a 10% three-point shooter. Yeah. They're right? not a good, they're not a yeah. good three-point shooting team. Like, it really, you know, I mean, we still have to guard the perimeter because you don't want this to be the night where they catch fire. But if you can, you know, contest and make them take tough twos – Providence is going to have a really good chance of winning the game. Yeah. Joe, I'm looking at Seton Hall's team stats for three. You mentioned Kadari Richmond's three-point percentage being closer to zero than it is to 100. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not great at 10, which is not good um, for anything, for anything you do in life, most likely, especially if you're in school or something, taking a test. You don't want to be there. But three-point percentage for Seton Hall as a team right now, they're shooting 29.6% from three. That ranks 297th in college basketball. Ouch. That is – they are not a good offensive team, right? Like, this is a very – I don't want to say average Seton Hall team because they have a couple wins that makes you feel like they're not average and they're a little above average. But this feels like a team that's going to win – probably be right in the middle of the pack of the Big East, finish probably 7th or 8th, in my opinion, probably maybe sneak into an NIT NIT bid that kind of feels like where they are in this season like i think yeah. if you're the friars what you want to hope what you for you for you and i what we want to kind of bank on is hopefully i think this is a type of game similar to butler but i don't know if seen hall has the firepower butler does like if you start hot offensively right like and we we well, you talked about the, the layoff from december 23rd so this might be whoever starts fast, right? Like whoever has legs in the beginning of the game, who can make yep. some outside shots to start the game. Cause I think if the Friars make a couple threes early, right? Like get it to a Doro, get their offense kind of not like, you don't have to be a hundred percent rolling, but having a fluid offense, you get the crowd back involved. The crowd hasn't seen them play since December 23rd. Like you can get that kind of going. I just don't know if Seton Hall has the firepower on offense. They have a good level of guard play, but we know like, 
how to come back against teams on the road. When you're on the road, you have to hit threes. And I don't know if Seton Hall was that type of team to hit threes consistently throughout the night. They haven't been. They're 297th in college basketball at three points. <laughs> They're clearly not. Obviously, every game is different, so you have to look at every game. But that's what I kind of feel for like the Friars. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you here. I think, you know, w- what's ringing out to me right now, too, is – and I hate to ride this uh, wave of thought, but uh, narrative going into this is Seton Hall just got blown out on the road to Xavier. Uh, I don't know if you can hear my dog. He's crying at the door. Um, Seton Hall just got blown out on the road at Xavier. Providence has an emotional uh, overtime victory over a, a much improved Butler team. Um Everything on paper shows that Seton Hall needs this win more than Providence does. Um, that's not to say that I don't think Providence wants it more, but everything on paper says Seton Hall needs it more. So these guys are going to come in desperate. Um, and really, you know, in early year, students are still on break. It's a, what time is it? 6.30 tip on a Wednesday night. Tough for people yeah. getting out of work. Like you got to get the crowd into it early. And that's going to start, like you said, Peter, with an early run, right? Like what Providence did against Butler. And mm-hmm. if, you know, the stats uh, are, if the stats match the eye test and Seton Hall is as bad offensively as they look on paper, they're not going to do what Butler did and catch up. And Providence can kind of run away with this one into the night. So it's how you start. Um, and I, I prefaced this earlier. I think offensively for Providence, we have to start in the front court because Seton Hall is all backcourt. Uh, that's where all their scoring comes from. Uh, and then it kind of tallies off. There, there's no front court player other than Jaden Badeko who averages more than geez three oh my god i can't find yeah no 1.5 i can't find another forward on here that averages more than a point and a half per game other than elijah hutchins ever is averaging 3.8 points per game he's only played eight games though oh okay i see he might not be healthy yeah that's why games played um i'm not up to date on his status at the moment probably should have been but but yeah, I mean, you, you really you got to take Oduro and, and take advantage of where Seton Hall is lacking uh, depth. Yeah, we I said off. I think I said it off air. Um, we talked about this is very similar to the Butler game, right? Like Butler is led by their guards, right, by their wing players and by their guards, and they're not led by their big man. Even though their big man is solid, he's not a scorer. He's just a rim protector, kind of that kind of thing, and. And Adoro in that game had it went for 19 and 14, 19 points, 14 rebounds, and also added six assists, shooting eight for 14. Like, look, that's a crazy stat line. I don't know if he replicates that, but that that field goal like shot, like 14 shots. Like, I want Adoro. If you and I are talking on Thursday night when you guys listen on Friday, and Adoro doesn't have at least 12 shots, unless we win, it doesn't really matter. But if we lose and Adoro doesn't have at least 12 shots, I'm gonna be really annoyed, right? Like, yeah, I feel like this is the type of game. Where especially, I know I said it a couple minutes ago, I want the threes to fall. I want the fires to get out rolling a little. I think you kind of have to start down low and work your way out, right? Like I think Mm -hmm. because you haven't played since December 23rd, Christmas, New Year's, all that kind of stuff, your legs might be not there right away. Like You might need a little energy. And the easiest way to do that is to see Adoro get some easy buckets because – like Adoro's finishing is not going anywhere, right? Like it's it's a totally different game than your the long three point shot. So I think Adoro has to be felled, uh, fed 
early and often in this type of game. I don't know if Jaden Bedeco can really withstand him throughout the game and especially foul trouble and all that kind of stuff. He is 6'10". He's a veteran. Seton Hall is very veteran-led. Uh, it's a very old team in Seton Hall. I, I think this has to be another Adoro game. Like we said every week a lot of the games are going to be led by Adoro just because of how good he is and his presence right. down low. But I this is the type of the game. This is the type of game just because of the layoff, the the lack inconsistently shooting from three for the Friars and wanting to get on a fast start in this game just because how the matchup works in my opinion. I think Adoro has to be I think fed throughout the night just to get the offense flowing a little bit. Right. No, and you're exactly right too. And we talk about it a lot on the show, but it's simple basketball, right? Like you feed the ball to your big man, he gets hot. And then what happens defensively Seton Hall has to start throwing more guys in the paint. You try and stop entry passes. Once he gets the ball, you double team him. Uh Oh, look who's open. Let's keep in mind. Oduro had six assists last game against Butler because he was kicking out to wide open shooters. And when, uh, you know, Providence, there, there's a stat floating around that Kim English gets these guys really good looks. It's it's not the coach's fault if they don't fall. Now, granted, against Butler, those shots were falling specifically for Devin Carter from deep and ticket gains. But once the shots start falling, then Oduro gets some more space back because then you can't leave guys alone on the perimeter. And it, it's I know I over explain it here, but it's like it's really simple. It's really simple stuff. Um so I think you're right. Uh, you know, let let's get Oduro going early. Um, and I want to talk about Bryce Hopkins too because um, this morning, New Year's morning, he tweeted out, uh, or I guess it was this afternoon, um, about an hour before Providence came out as 23rd in the AP poll. Um, Bryce Hopkins tweeted, "2023 was a transformational year for me, filled with many adversities, but also some great successes." So thankful for my coaches, teammates, and the fans. 2024 is our year. Let's do this. Um, I don't want to read too deep into a player tweet uh, because, you know, obviously, you know, in the history of sports and social media, we've seen tweets that have aged tremendously and tweets that have aged terribly. So I'm not going to read too deeply into this. But what I will say is I think that's really promising that, you know, he's acknowledging that. He's had some troubles the past year and that he's looking forward to, you know, a fresh start in a new year. So I think, you know, Hopkins is going to come out with his hair on fire. I think he is surely aware that, you know, he's been struggling and then there's, you know, been some criticisms of yeah. him in the sports media landscape. Right. And he's not an idiot. He knows he wants to play in the NBA. He knows mm -hmm. Devin Carter's draft stock is going way through the ceiling based on, you know, the all American performances he's putting together. Hopkins, I think Hopkins is going to have a really good game, and I think this is going to be the start of a hot streak for him. And you can keep receipts if if I'm wrong, yeah. <laughs> come back and tell me. Well, you talked about media critic criticizing him, and you and I have criticized him in, in not in a bad way or anything. Honest assessment of his play this year, right? Like it's been yeah. very up and down. And I agree with his tweet. He's trying to acknowledge it as well. And obviously, you don't want to read into tweets as and as much with, with without going too far without what exactly what he just said in the tweet was in words. But look, this team, as far as look, they're 11 and two, and they have had a really good start through 13 games. But if this team wants to get where I think we want them to get and where Kim English wants them to get, they're going to need Bryce Hopkins, right? Like they're going to yep. need to fully charge Bryce Hopkins. It doesn't have to be Bryce Hopkins. 
dropping 25 a night. But no. I think it has to be more of an efficient Bryce Hopkins. I think that's probably our biggest critique with him. He just hasn't been an efficient player. His defense, yep. I think, has improved from last year. I think he's become a much Tremendously. better Tremendously. I think he's become a much better rebounder, even though he was a good rebounder last year. So he's, he's playing good defense, way better than last year. He's not the Devin Carter level of defense, but he's a, he's not a, nowhere near a liability. He's a, a good defender. He's His rebounding has been great. That hasn't gone away. It's his it's some of his shot selections, and if it's just his inconsistent, inconsistently shooting. Like we know, he struggled from deep, and that's definitely hurt his jump shot. Like it just hasn't been there. He's missed some easy layups. His free throws have been bad, and I feel like maybe that's where he needs to start. Like he's shooting sixty-two percent from the free throw line. Like that is not good. No, at, that's at really the point bad. Of the year. And one way to get your offense and kind of get confidence back into your game is to make free throws, right? Like. If he can start making some free throws, I think it opens up everything for himself. Look, he's shooting forty-seven percent from the field. It's not bad. It's he's oh sorry, forty-seven percent at home on the year. He's shooting 44 percent. Sorry, a video just started playing on my computer. <laughs> absolute crap out of me. Um, and he's shooting forty. He shot forty-five percent last year from the field. This year he's shooting forty-four percent. So it's not a crazy drop off. The problem is he's free throw. Three-point shooting went from 36% last year to 19, right? Like, we, we know he struggled from three. I do think, and you and I have talked about it, he needs to go back to the old-school kind of player, like an Alpha Diallo, like a Ronnie Bullock type of player. The problem is that doesn't really translate to the NBA. But for this sake, I just think free-throw shooting, get his confidence back, because I think it's we know it's there. Like, we saw it last year. Yeah. I, think, I just want to see his confidence back, and maybe it starts Wednesday against Seton Hall. Yeah, I, I think you nailed the you hit the nail on the head there, Peter. And I, I I need to call attention attention to this as I'm seeing it in real time. Hopkins, through all of his efficiency struggles so far this season, is averaging more points per game and more rebounds per game than he was last season. Last year he finished with fifteen point eight per game uh points and eight and a half rebounds per game. And through all of the shooting struggles, all of the efficiency issues, he's averaging 16.3 and 8.7. So, like, and I keep bringing this up because uh, I know we're not the only ones that have called attention to this, but, like, when he gets going, it's going to be incredible, right? Like, he he hit a little bump in the road with with his shooting, which is fine. It happens to everybody. There's growing pains. Mm -hmm. His His defensive intensity, his ability to guard on the ball, has improved tremendously season over season. But once his shooting struggles are gone, forget it. Like him and Devin Carter will be competing against each other for Biggie's player of the year. Um, and then one last thing. So last season, Bryce Hopkins shot 36%, 36.5% from deep on 77 attempts on the year. This season, he's already at 51 attempts. So Again, it's just I'm just trying to echo your point here about efficiency, right? Yeah. He's gonna find it. He's taking more shots. He's doing things that he didn't do last year. If he gets back to his bread and butter game a little bit of driving to the cup and you know getting fouled, making your free throws, we're gonna see Bryce Hopkins of old meet the new and improved uh, body type of Bryce Hopkins new. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah, it's a good opportunity right. for him tomorrow yeah. to take a step in the right direction. Yeah. One final point on the Bryce Hopkins thing. Obviously, yep. look, I think it's just, I think his shot selection hasn't been great this year, right? Like I think it's gotten better, but I don't think it's been anything uh, 
great. And I look, it's his three-point percentage. This is three-point percentage went from 36 to 19, and his free throw percentage went from 75.9 to 65.1, right? Like that's where the efficiency is. He's only shooting one less percent from the field, right? Like if that's not the problem, it's the threes. So, and you and I have said this, I think so many times where he has to kind of get back to that old school type of game. And look, the threes are going to fall. He's not a bad three point shooter. I don't think he's a a great three point shooter, uh, but I don't think he's a liability from three. Like last year he was 36%. That's a a decent mark. Like he wasn't a liability. This year he's been a liability from three and 19%. I I don't think he's anywhere near a liability. I think he's closer to last year's mark than this year's mark. I just want to see what happens down the stretch. And what happens like, where what is Kim English telling him? Is does he want him to shoot more threes? Because if I was if I was gonna bet, I think Kim English is gonna keep telling him to take threes. Because what we've seen so far from Kim English, he's not afraid to one get these guys great shots, like you said, because he does, and two, he lets these guys shoot and he trusts these guys to shoot. So I don't know if the Bryce Hopkins threes are going away. Yep. I would stay away from the contested threes early in the shot clock from Bryce Hopkins. Right, and this is what I say too. A lot of times in real time as I'm watching the games is like if Hopkins takes an open three, his feet are set or it's in rhythm off a curl. Like if Hopkins is taking the right shot, I'm okay. If it doesn't fall, it's the contested threes. It's the transition threes. It's early in the shot clock. Like those are the ones that make me pull my hair out. But anyway, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole right now, but um, just echoing your point there. Um, I mean, otherwise, uh, just looking at this game from a bird's eye view, I think, you know, Hopkins, Oduro should be the focal points of the offense. Devin Carter is going to continue to do uh, the all-American level Devin Carter things that he's been doing. Um, But I think the play of Garway Dual, Ticket Gaines, and Corey Floyd Jr. off the bench are going to be really, really important defensively. Um, If we can shut down this Seton Hall backcourt from the tip, and if the guys that come off the bench can, you know, provide a defensive spark and help, I think the game will be, you know, very easy for Providence. And the game will come to the players, as Kim English likes to say, um, quite nicely. Yeah. Last final point on, obviously, so, you know, I, I have confidence in the Friars, right? Like, I think this favors the, like you said, favors the Friars in this matchup, I think. Obviously, it's a, a game of guards, but I think the Friars have a huge upper hand, obviously, with Josh Adoro down low. And I think Seen Hall is probably a completely different team on the road than they're at home, right? Like, I feel like whatever whatever it is, I haven't looked at, when we go to the Prudential Center uh, later in the year, I think that's a way tougher matchup. Obviously, we saw UConn didn't get out there with the win. They got out there with a double-digit loss, right? So yeah. I think Seen Hall on the road compared to at the home are totally two different teams. They're like the Dallas Cowboys in football. <laughs> great at home, terrible on the road. I just feel like it's that type of team for Seen Hall this year. So on Wednesday, I just feel like Seen Hall, not a great offensive team, one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, very average, not below average defensive team. I think the Friars, obviously a really good defensive team, can make enough shots. And I, th- I think they get out probably with a victory. That's just kind of how this game sees. But I do feel like this game is going to be in the 60s, right? Like, I think this is going to be kind of your old school, kind of grind it out. Might ne- might not get pretty. Might be like, okay, we're not making a lot of shots, but I think the Friars can kind of pull out a win on Wednesday. Yeah, I'll take I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week. Pretty losses don't exist, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty <laughs> losses do not exist. 
Um, all right. So just a quick little shout out to House Enterprise because, as always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, to get in on the fun. Um, you know, we have great writers, great content creators over there starting the new year on a strong foot. So definitely show some support and show some love for the house. Um, Providence, the 23rd ranked Providence Friars will host Seton Hall Wednesday, January 3rd. The game is at 6.30 p.m. and will be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, but as it stands right now, there is currently no line set. Uh, but ESPN Analytics has Providence favored by 78%. Yeah, no line. Usually for college basketball lines, they come out the day before. So when you guys are listening to this Tuesday morning, obviously we're recording Monday night if you don't know our schedule yet, uh, there might be a line out on Tuesday, Tuesday morning to the afternoon. But yeah, I don't. there's no current line at the moment. All right. You heard it here first. Um, happy New Year's to all of our faithful listeners. We appreciate all of the support that you give to the show. Uh, for Peter DiBiase, I'm Joe Howie. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.